welcome to the very latest industry podcast. Today, we've got a work holding theme, and I'm joined by two industry experts. The first one is the managing director of world-renowned Brown and Homes, Kevin Ward. He's apprentice trained, and he actually went to the same college as MTD's very own Giovanni. Speaking of, of, of whom, Gio is joining with us as well. And uh, those of you who don't know Gio, 25 years time served engineer with an expertise in aerospace engineering as well as our in-house work holding expert. Welcome to the show, gents. Hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. To start with, Kevin, if it's okay with you, um, Brown and Holmes, world-renowned, you, you, you sell a lot of third-party products, have got a lot of distinct advantages, but if it's okay, I'd like to start with some bespoke fixtures today. And if we start holistically, why somebody would look for a bespoke fixture where possibly, you know, they could argue standard traditional off-the-shelf work holding would do. So maybe if you could dispel a myth or two. Uh, it depends um, really on the components that the, that the customer wants to hold, really. Yeah, uh, bespoke off-the-shelf work holding has its place. We supply that ourselves, but there is a need for specialist work holding. Uh, as I say, it depends on the profile, the shape of a component, what it's made out of, what machine it's going on. And ultimately, the uh, the value that's required out of the production process. For sure, yeah, no, no, I would agree with that. And just for people, maybe we should talk about Brown and Homes because what one would hope a lot of people are aware of you now. But maybe you can ex- you can you can explain the fact that you are you are you do sell traditional work holding products, but equally, probably a bigger chunk of your business is bespoke fixtures. You know, made made to order fixtures. It is, uh, Joe, you're right. Uh, we have uh, grown really uh, quite substantially over the last 10 years, really, on the back of bespoke fixturing, as you quite rightly said. We do standard fixturing, things like tombstones and cube fixtures. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we've moved more over the years into specialist hydraulic automated uh, fairly complex fixturing, really, but we can do the simple stuff as well. Yeah, and there must be, you know, I used to work in a business where we made our own fixtures, but you would, when I go around now, I just don't see that skills. I don't, I don't see the the, the skill set, and I, I don't know if that's something you you, you agree with, Geo. You know, in days gone by, maybe you could make your own, whereas now, just engineers don't. They they do love yeah. to lean on companies such as Brown and Holmes. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Joe. I think that, um, well, from when I've done my um, apprenticeship at, uh, as a toolmaker, even from back then, we were making our own um, work holding fixtures um, for, for everything that we did, really. Obviously, we had our, our standard uh, product uh, products like vices and chucks, etc. But whenever we had any complex parts that we couldn't hold using a standard work holding product, we would just make, simply make a, a work holding fixture. Um, you know, today it, it, it certainly has changed drastically. Um, and I, I suppose what we used to do back then is still relevant now to a certain degree um, for certain uh, components, depending on their complexity. But I mean, it did. It was a real eye opener for me personally when I uh, first visited Brown and Holmes to see some of the the, the fixtures that they actually manufacture. There was no way in the world that 
for the companies that I've worked at, we could have manufactured them fixtures because we simply just didn't have them capabilities to manufacture them. And I think that also we weren't automating back then in the day. Everything was mechanical. Um, so like when Kev mentioned in regards to some of these big aerospace fixtures, aerospace fixtures which are hydraulically uh, powered, um, it might they're like a, a piece of art. Um, and the repeatability is such a big part of it as well, I would assume, Kev. Yeah, bang on. Geo, yeah, I think uh, you're quite right. Complexity of parts, particularly in the aerospace industry where there's been a lot of change, certainly in the materials that uh, a lot of these parts are being made of, which put extra demands, not only on the machine tool, but uh, on the work holding as well. And, uh, yeah, with all respect to the aerospace guys, as many other industries, they, they need to hit these parts as hard. They need consistent um uh, repeatability and uh, dimensional accuracy of these parts in what are often very difficult to hold, very flimsy and very tough materials to machine. Yeah, so so what we're kind of saying here is leave it to the experts, aren't we? You get on, you, you get on selling time, machining your components and leave the work holding the fixtures to the experts. That's kind of what we're saying, isn't it? It is. I'd like to agree with that, Joe, definitely. But, uh, yeah, there's a place for more simplistic fixtures. And they said that the advancements um, in technologies such as 3D printing, people can print smaller fixtures and more simplistic fixtures. But, yeah, there's still, we feel, a, a big demand for complex parts to be very accurately and yeah, and, and just on the parts, you don't need to give us, you know, your, your client list away. But if you just let's say your last ten fixtures, how would they look? You know, are we talking? Are we talking a little bush for a Hoover up to a something for an aeroplane wing and everything in between? You know, what 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 type of components do you tend to look at? Uh, quite a cross section, really, ranging from engine uh, automotive engine parts right up to aerospace um, casing parts. So you can be talking handheld hand items, components, up to a metre and a half diameter components. So quite a range within that size spec alone. Yeah, yeah. And, and like Gia's alluded to, Brown and Holmes, you know, you've got so much technology on site. You've got your CNC machines, you've got your pneumatic hydraulic specialists, you've got your designers. You know, you are you know the, the turnkey done in one or you know close what's the word you know a closed shop single shop you do it all yourself don't you yeah we do we've tried to mature the company over the last few years to try to be the uh, the one-stop solution uh, company for for people to come to not only design and, and manufacture the solutions for competent work holding but help our customers through component runoff trials Programming, offering programming support on-site um, customers' facilities. So, yeah, really take away the problems from our customers and give them the full solution. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and Gio, if I, if I come to you, you, you've got an illustrious career selling work holding. I don't know if you ever got involved in bespoke stuff, but, you know, you, you must have walked into a building from time to time and just thought, I, I can't be, I can't hold that 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 needs a bespoke fixture. Yeah, lots of times, Joe, um, that was the case, and and there were certain solutions that um, I couldn't provide, and and when that was the case, I'd I'd pass 
that on to somebody else that could provide a solution. I'd hold my hands up and say, this is, this is not my bag, but I know someone that can. Um, I did also look at, um, a, a lot of the times I did work on special applications, though, especially with the OEM companies that I dealt with, when they were looking at a, a new project, selling a new machine tool. Um, the, nowadays, turnkey solutions have never been so important so whether that was a chucking application or whether that would be a special application for a fifth axis machine or a horizontal machine i'd work alongside the oems we'd go into medical companies aerospace companies whatever the case may be to look at a solution together because the work holding is just as important as the machine tool holding that component is so so important and it's something that just cannot be overlooked the way we used to supply um, solutions they were all mechanical by the way so we didn't have the luxury of being able to sell uh, hydraulic solutions apart from when we used rotary tables or fourth or fifth axis rotary tables etc but predominantly the majority of the work holding that we supplied uh, was mechanical and, and and the only way we could kind of supply solutions was is is to be able to um, come up with a concept using, say, a zero-point faceplate where we would uh, design the pocket for which the component would fit into, then we'd design clamps around it, or, you know, how are we going to present it to the spindle? How are we going to clamp on that feature? We can't hold on that bit because it's going to distort the part, so on and so forth. But I, I think that when you go to, to, to Brown and Ohms, I think it takes what we did to a completely different level. I think that there's there's bespoken turnkey packages um, that, that that a lot of people can offer. But when you look at this this really specialised fixturing, what we're talking about now for, for the aerospace industry, and um, I mean, you, you, you just look at some of the videos that we've produced for Brown and Holmes on, on MTD TNC. It is, it is an absolute work of art that I would imagine, Kev, correct me if I'm wrong, will take a hell of a long time um, experience to, to be able to, to even start tackling some of them uh, uh, fixtures. Yeah, absolutely right. It's a very bespoke and rare skill set required to, uh, to be a master of uh, work holding, quite definitely. And uh, yeah, it's certainly an area that we have to concentrate within our business to bring young people through to follow in the footsteps of... Uh, the likes of myself, but yeah, it's a bit of a dark art, and uh, you know, a lot of time needed, and a lot of experience needs to be gathered um, to be able to uh, professionally provide a, uh, a competent solution within within not within a budget. Yeah, that that's important because presumably, Kevin, when we're looking at reasonable size batches here, we're looking at reducing cost per part. You know, there's a Bespoke fixtures are quite obviously by their nature more expensive than than, than than vices, but we are looking at reducing cost per part here. Yeah, absolutely, and I say it, it, it's not just in production times; it, it's it's that repeatability across a range of parts to make sure that they conform to drawings, and uh, you get a consistent level of production from a Monday morning to a Friday night. And uh, yeah, that's important, and that's where the investments come come through. Yeah, yeah, I've got, yeah and, and, sorry, go Joe. on, go on, Joe. Sorry, Joe, uh, for interrupting there, my friend. Um, 
Kev, I've got a question for you. Obviously, Brown and Holmes have been going a, a very long time, and you've been there, you know, a most of your engineering, <laughs> uh, and you've been there most of your uh, engineering uh, career, I, I imagine. And, yeah. and, and as Joe mentioned earlier, we were actually done our apprenticeship at the same engineering college. Um, right. But what you know, from when I was an apprentice, Kev, things have evolved so significantly. I mean, if we step back in time and go into a workshop, then to how it is now it's completely different some of the fixtures that you're making now would have been impossible back then um you mentioned 3d printed and add additive manufacturing have you started using that to start making fixtures and jigs yes quite definitely yeah we've uh, we invested them beginning of last year year as you know and uh, the the intention really was uh, to design towards those uh, machines. Um, we, we held off buying 3D printers, to be honest, because there wasn't, initially when the printers hit the market, there wasn't the flexibility of, uh, in the type of materials you can print. And, uh, well, we, we, we were happy at the beginning of last year that uh, the machines that we'd specified would complement what Brown and designs and makes. And, yeah, we're... we're we're using those three D printers to uh, to manufacture parts on which we would normally and previously would have made conventionally, and uh, the, the, the range of materials gives us a nice flexibility to do that. Also, yeah. So you've got, as I say, you've got an inordinate amount of technology on site in uh, in, in Tamworth. But uh, something I'm eager to learn on. Obviously, you're a proud British business, but you do export a lot. How, how does your export business look? The export business is uh, is old and firm, to be honest. Yeah, we've we've got a number of projects running at the moment. We've we've got a, a fairly big project coming towards its end in Scandinavia at the moment, which has gone really well for us. And we've got um, a big fixturing project going into India next month. We hope if the lockdown is released, but certainly the fixtures and the work holding and the ZPS systems we're supplying there are coming towards completion at the moment. And we've got a very big project for China, which is due for delivery in August. So, yeah, we're, we're getting around. Yeah, we are. Little town, little town with companies delivering to some pretty big enterprises worldwide at the moment. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. And like I said at the beginning of this podcast, you're very well known for these bespoke fixtures. Equally, you do have a number of uh you know premium agencies you know high quality equipment agencies so i'd like to just run through a couple of those if possible and, and, yeah, you know let, let's start with the the miss buster the name kind of gives away the product but maybe you can you know fill us in a little bit more yes as i said we're, we're trying to create um something at brown and Rose, which is normally a, a one-stop shop for the machine tool industry and yeah, the Mist Buster, it's obviously a piece of equipment that we use on all our CNC, our enclosed CNC machines. And uh, clean air is important, health and safety is big, and I think the profile is going to get even bigger going forward as regarding clean air environment and uh, looking after your employees. So the Mist Buster product, yeah, uh, it's a product which is um, uh, very, very cost-effective, very cheap to run, very cheap to maintain. There's no replacements other than cleaning the integral parts. But normally it takes it, it takes the muck 
out of the coolant mist uh, created by machining processes, puts the coolant back into the machine nice and clean, and uh, the the electrostatic reaction. I won't go into the science of that because no, probably not clever enough myself to go into into the detail that uh, really is there. But yeah, quite basically, pass electric charge through a wire. It attracts negative and positive reaction of electrons, and it takes the uh, the muck out of the mist, if you like. And the muck does gather on the wires on, on, within these uh, units, and they're quite easily cleaned, taken out and cleaned, which is the beauty of them, which is another down cost on on, on the running of these uh, of these units, which we've got a number set up on our machines, and uh, they're running very very well for us. There's clean yeah. air, clean air yeah. around homes, guys. Yeah, sure, and um, and I think that's key. Obviously, COVID nineteen, these don't stop COVID nineteen, but I think when everyone's back to work, people will look at cleaning up their environment and you know and, and treating their staff maybe better than they ever have done before, which is important. But if we if we talk, you know, you've got some uh, rotary tables, some indexes as well. That seems to be a fairly new addition. Yes, we're proud to. Uh, been chosen as the uh, the UK's only uh, agent supplier of Paisler rotary tables and palletizing systems. Very, very impressive equipment and uh, complements the work holding range that we design and manufacture and the other products that we got. But yeah, we're very, very new to us there. We've done quite a bit of marketing with URL, uh, which is going down very, very well. And we hope once the uh, the shackles are taken off us, we can get out there and start showing people the quality of the product and, and, and selling to some of our customers. Yeah, so th- th- these Geo, these pies of the rotary tables, what, what, what's your experience of them? You know, What are they like in terms of accuracy? Where do you see them fitting in the marketplace? Um, I've never used one, Joe, so it'd be, it'd be wrong of me to kind of give it a, 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 a 100% opinion. But what I can see from the research that I've done on them, they look a very top-end quality uh, rotary table. I mean, when when you look at rotary tables, there's a lot of elements that, that, that make a rotary table a good rotary table. You know, the, the footprint of the rotary table, the rigidity, the torque, the speed, the re- repeatability, the accuracy. So these are all elements that need to be considered um, when, when purchasing a rotary table. And I think that the pies that do meet all of that criteria, and I think that they will be a very successful product for Brown and Holmes, not only to sell as a standalone product, but also to incorporate some of their specialist jigs and fixtures, trunnions, trunnion assemblies, uh, and, and to use them with, with that side of the business as well. Yeah, I, I guess you would echo that, would, would you, Kev? It's, it's the fact right. you can, you know, when, when you get inquiries in, it, it kind of, you're going to design it into the, the fixture almost. Exactly right, and uh, Geo summed it up perfectly for me. But uh, yeah, and yeah, it is. I mean, Brown and Holmes. We don't choose the cheapest product on the market. I'll admit that, but we we tend to go for quality, reliability, and the ability to service and maintain these products from our base here in Tamworth. And uh, yeah, that's that's the reason why we choose these products. It's all about quality and reliability out in the field for us. Sure. A, a, a product group that gets me excited, and I say I don't say that lightly, is, <laughs> is, is Techman, um, the, these robots. I see this being a massive market for you, not just you, anyone that sells a similar robot. I see these, 
you know, I know you've got some uh, you've got some advantages over the competition on the Tetman robot, which we can go into. But what what are your thoughts on automation? You know, simple automation as a whole. Yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely the future. I think there's no holding it back. I think uh, with, the, with the advances in technology, that um, yeah, uh, and even with a bit of the health and safety issues as regards facilities, you know, being pressurised to make the safe environment for for the human being, I think there's going to be added uh, added advantage there also to robots and cobots going forward and. Uh, yeah, as I say, it's a, it's it's becoming a very competitive market. But yeah, we we like for the same reasons I've just said about Pfizer, we like the quality, the reliability of the Techman cobots that uh, that, that we run from here. Uh, they're, they're very easy to program, and uh, yeah, they they look good as well. Yeah, for sure. And, and Jay, if I come to you on the Techman, obviously they've got this, you know, like this high resolution camera integrated into the robot. How, how do you see that as an advantage? Oh, it's fantastic, Joe. I think it's got built-in vision. I think at the time when we first, when MTDCNC um, first reported, when you first won the agency, clever, I can recall us visiting your facility, um, and you'd set up a, a, a demo um, at Brown and Holmes in Tamworth. Um, and the built-in vision is brilliant because, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kev, but say if if you were putting uh, components on, say, a conveyor system um, and you were presenting the components in different orientations, it'll know, it'll be able to see you know, where the component is and, and pick it up. So effectively, it's not got to be put in exactly the same place every time. Um, it's got flexibility. It gives 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 the robot some form of flexibility and I think it can also uh, kind of see different colours as well um, so you can start colour coding stuff uh, as well and, and, and when we come to when mentioning automation in general I, I couldn't agree more it is definitely uh, 100% the future and I think albeit that we've been in an awful situation with COVID-19 I think it's really highlighted um, to the UK engineers and manufacturers how important automation is it the people that seem to be winning the ventilator parts are automating running 24 7 unmanned and unmanned is the is is, is the word there um, and and seem to be getting the parts out of the door and unfortunately the people that haven't been investing in the latest technology and innovations have just not been able to to compete or to produce them parts as efficiently as as others so yeah a brilliant product which can be incorporated with the rest of your range kev yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a sign of our business. It's been a major diversification over the last five years. As uh, Brown and Holmes move into design and manufacturing manual handling solutions, Geo Joe. Um, once again, that one-stop shop scenario, but basically not only holding holding parts on a machine or an assembly or whatever process. We, we also think about and work with our customers about how they're going to load the parts. And once again, health and safety comes into that. So it was a natural progression from our design and make of manual handling and lifting equipment to actually move on and, and provide customers with the option of a, of a, of a cobot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I said, I, I see it being 10 years' time, every machine shop will, will have a robot stroke cobot if not multiples of it i think i think you have to we, we don't talk about automation too much we've gone into it lots in previous podcasts but if you don't automate you're going to be in some serious 
you know, you're going to be in some serious trouble in, in years to come. That's my opinion. But if we look at uh, Swiss chuckers, they're the uh, pneumatic um, actuated diaphragm chucks. You know, the, this is something I don't pretend to be an expert in. I know what they are. I know what they do. But perhaps you can give us the advantages. Well, they're not just diaphragm chucks, Joe, but you're not far off, mate. But uh, they do do a range of different types of uh, rotary work holding. But they're, they're, to, to sum up, they're, they're basically very highly accurate repeatability, concentricity, um, chucks. They're fully sealed. Their main, their main uh, advantages are to processes like gear grinding, where you've normally got, once again, a fairly difficult part to hold, um, but needs repeatability on concentricity. The sealed chuck, if it's grinding, generally uses coolant, fairly aggressive coolant as well. So, yeah, it maintains its repeatability, its accuracy in quite harsh environments. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, and Geo, would you echo that? Yeah, I think that when Kev mentioned gear manufacture, uh, and, and what springs to mind now is, you know, like this is a is a great analogy to to explain to to, to engineers why they do need these accurate accurate work holding solutions. You look at some of the uh, top machine tool manufacturers um, and sellers in the UK at the minute. They're they're really um, kind of concentrating on gear manufacture gear manufacturing and all-in-one machining and I'll, I'll use Akuma as an example on this particular analogy that I'm going to make but we've done a video with Richard Turner from uh, NCMT and, and he was saying that that on the Akuma it's got 3.6 million increments on the on the on the c-axis um, when power uh, power skiving um, the, the gears so that that level of accuracy within the machine tool and the B axis to synchronize the B and the C axis. If you add a, an inferior truck on there that wasn't running true, what's the point of buying that machine? You need to have a, a, a work holding solution that complements the machine tool, or you're not going to be able to use that machine tool to its full capabilities. And, and that just kind of really is, 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 is an example that I can give on that. So, you know, it's imperative. You know, everything's application specific, but when you're doing them very, very accurate parts, you need to you need to have the, the best work holding. Yeah, yeah, well put. Yeah, very well put indeed. If we look, if, if if we look at the uh, the Presmac Arnold, this is a uh, a company you're fairly well known for supplying. Um, it's all, it's what I call a traditional machining vice. I know you will call it something different, but for the people that haven't seen it, you know, what is it and where do you think it fits in the market? It is a it is a machine vice. You're absolutely right, Joe. Um, there's various designs of that uh, machine vice. They do very nice five-axis uh, machine vices. Uh, they do uh, a number of vices where you can hold more than one part. Uh, they do bespoke jaws. They do tombstones, which and, and cubes, which you can mount the vices on. But the principle of these vices, where they differ greatly to the traditional vices, which I was brought up smacking hell out of anvil with a high hammer to try and make them clamp. Um, there, there's a, a, an inherent accuracy of, of, of the design and the manufacture, which maintains the squareness of certainly the fixed jaw, yes, but the sliding jaw uh, remains very accurate in, in squareness. 
Uh, clamping force and repeatability is adjustable through a torque um, adjustable handle on it as opposed to um, a lead screw and nut and the old lever type handle. The principle of clamping and the, and, and the clamping force comes from a very clever uh, hydraulically actu actuator within, within, within the vices. Although it's a mechanical vice, it is principle is of an hydraulic uh, actuator which actually clamps the parts. And I say just with the turn of a handle, repeatability, and the longevity of these uh, vices is, 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 is incredible, really. Yeah, and that's why I see it. I think it's the big, the, the big heavy-duty vices, aren't they? I know they do some smaller ones, but where you, where you do need to make sure that that component is held rigidly. It is, Gio, are, the, are these vices you've come across before? Um, I've seen them, yes, at, at, um, at exhibitions and open houses being exhibited um, from Brown and Holmes. I've never used one again, unfortunately, Kev. I'm sorry. Uh, but when, sure, when you Surely they've got them at Nuneaton College, haven't they? Were you there? <laughs> I think we, could maybe, we could maybe look at getting them there. They're, they're definitely coming handy there because they definitely need some investment there into some of the latest uh, technologies. I mean, Kev, they've still got... Um, the, the old lathes that we used to work are still there, which is just un unbelievable, really. But, <laughs> I, bet, I bet that's had some crashes between you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I broke the one. I just want to make one point uh, on um, the, 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 what, what Kev um, mentioned. And, and, and you were mentioning about deflection on, on, on the jaws. Now, some people take that um, for granted. You can remember back in the day, you'd, you'd try and machine a... Um, a round piece of bar into a square and, and you had to try and tap it down onto the parallels to make That's sure right. it was down. It was Bring so hard because yeah, you're fighting against the, the work holding because, you know, the, the moving jaw wants to pull the part up and, and to be able to get a set square on that uh, billet, once you've machined it square, if you, if you'd have machined it square, you'd, you'd done a good job. And um, so to, to, to kind of alleviate that kind of deflection in the jaws is massive because effectively in a lot of old work, what work holding solutions from 19, the 1960s, which are still used today, them kind of designs are still used today. What happens is you get deflection in that moving jaw and even the fixed jaw. So when you think you're holding the component on, say, 50 mil aside, the, the, the depth of the jaws, in fact, you're only holding the component on pinpoint uh, location because the jaws are tipping inwards. So you can imagine that's going to cause a hell of a lot of vibration. So being able to eradicate that jaw deflection, it also eradicates uh, component vibration. And subsequently, then you can start running your machine tool at a lot of faster feed speeds, hitting the part a lot more aggressively if, if required. Um, so, yeah, great, another great product from uh, Brown and Ohms, Kev. No, well said, yeah. I mean, to add to that, I mean, such as the... The, uh, the clamping force and the squareness of the jaws, and in particular that sliding jaw, which is prone to wear. I mean, these jaws are all fully ground, and, and some of the parts that uh, we've done ourselves here, where you're basically just holding on a couple of millimetres on that, so you can access probably 50, 60 millimetres depth cut uh, on the part, it's, it's it's very incredible, really. It's certainly been very advantageous to some of the parts we've machined ourselves here at Brown and Holmes. Brilliant. Yeah, well, guys, thank you. That's pretty much the end of the podcast. But Kev, if I can just finish on one thing, obviously we've gone through lots of technology and stuff. Two things: 
how do people find you? How do people learn more about your products? And and, and is there anything new on the horizon? Uh, Adbib Finance, we've got a pretty uh, powerful website. We've spent a lot of time keeping fresh. Um, www.brownandhomes.co.uk. Uh, all the contact information is on there. There's a contact page as well, which we which we will respond to within 24 hours. So yeah, if you go to that website, that you'll get through there. Or look at MTD site. We're on there. You get all the information off that as well. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, guys, it's it's been a work holding masterclass. It's a, two Jedi's of the industry, so I appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, that's the end of this week's podcast, and we will see you soon. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the MTD podcast. If you found value in this episode, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. Find more episodes on mtdcnc.com.